welcome to the second episode of the Glitter Glam Rock podcast. I'm Greg and I'm with Marty. Hello again. How are you today? And um, today we're going to talk about another glam band, uh, my second favourite glam band. and I don't know, sometimes my first favourite glam band, The Sweet. What a band they were, eh? Um, excellent. I'll, um, I'll never forget... Uh, listening to Boring Blitz, oh. it, it was just one of those natural, you know, it just, the hair stood up on my back when I heard that. Oh, it was just an explosion. Those drum, that drum at the beginning, you know, was just, and the production on it, it was just, that got your attention straight away and then the singing and then um, the chorus, the whole thing was just absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, according, according to their first, producer uh phil wayman he basically said you know he, he he put the faders up and they cut the song one take that's all it took and then when the faders went down he just said that's a number one yeah and it it was wasn't it no yeah. it was a number two. Oh, no, that's right um mud mud uh kept them out yeah, yeah. Mud, mud kept them out so um yeah, Ballroom Blitz to us, I guess, is the um, is the essential suite. But there's a long story before Ballroom Blitz. Yeah, well, after I, you know, I was obsessed with Ballroom Blitz, so I wanted to dig down to their roots, like where they started. So I bought the uh, Sweet's Biggest Hits album, and these are all the songs that were before the Ballroom Blitz. Which were that, well, I found that album a bit disappointing, actually. Well, you have to remember, it was their first... Yeah. It was just their first... You know, they'll, they'll tr- like everyone else, they will trying to hit the, you know, hit the mark sort of thing. All right, let's, let's go back to the beginning, okay? Okay. Um, what happened was Chin Chapman were songwriters and um, actually I, I saw... Phil Wayman was talking about he'd actually tried to write songs with Nicky Chin, but nothing had happened. And then um, Chin found Chapman and they'd written some songs and somehow Phil Wayman had discovered the suite, but I don't think... Who, who was in it at that time? It was only... It, it started off with uh, Brian Connolly and Mick, Mick Tucker. They were the two original guys. Um, they sent in a demo because they had a guitarist at the time with them to uh, Phil Wayman and it got to the stage where Phil liked what they were doing you know there was good harmonies and good you know guitar playing and Phil basically said all right we've got a band here all we need to get is just the ultimate guitarist mm, and also songs he wanted songs so what he what he did was, um, well, they got the guitarist, didn't they? Yeah, well, they, they auditioned for a guitarist and they, apparently there was a lot of... Bad hope, ones. Yeah, bad ones. As you can imagine. Yeah, but then... Um, but uh, in an interview I saw, Andy Scott said he went, he went to the audition and um, he saw Mike Chapman at the audition and he recognised him because Mike Chapman used to play in a band called Tangerine Dream. And they used to play together. And That's he, right. He's in what uh, I can't remember what um, Scott's band was. 
That's Wayne's right. wrote Gentleman or something like that. And he said, can I go in? Yeah. He's, can he, I cut in? Can I jump the queue? Yeah. And he did. He did, yeah. yeah. And, and he got the part straight away. So so there are only situations where, okay, we've got a band um, and they're working through various styles. Um, and that's where the the early songs come from because they are you know, experimenting with styles. For example, Coco, you know, they had that Caribbean but, but they, island sound. But before that, we have to say that they were um, Chin Chapman songs. So he'd introduced them to Chin Chapman and Chin Chapman, he said, look, I, I got some songs for you to do. And they were already signed. They were the sweet shop then. They were already signed to another record label. And they said... Um, they said, we can't. We're signed to this other record label. And he said, well, look, just do it as a session and I'll pay you. And that way, you know, contractually, everything will be all right. So, um... I remember so- that. And they said the worst thing that could happen was, well, it didn't go down well, but you'll still get the fee. So Wayman put them together with um, Chin Chapman. Chin Chapman had a song. They wanted to write a song that was like Sugar Sugar. So they wrote Funny Funny. Funny, funny, yeah. That, that was the first one they recorded. Then after that, they recorded Coco. Coco. And that, they were big hits, like, around Europe. Those songs were big hits around Europe. Then yeah. they did Alexander Graham Bell, which wasn't such a big hit. And they thought, oh, what's going on here? Papa Joe came after that. Yeah. So at this, at this stage, they're just, you know, trying to get the right sound. You know, they're experimenting with certain styles. Well, Phil Wayman said, like, they'd go in and they'd do the B-sides, which were hard rock, okay? That's what they wanted to do. That's what they wanted to do, deep down. But um, Chapman, Chin and Chapman and Wayman were saying, hey, we're having hits with this style. Yeah. We're having hits with this style, so... Let's just keep going for a while and see how many hits we can get. Exactly. And at the time, too, you have to... You have to remember, The Sweet were not playing on the records. It was Phil Wayman had a little group and Phil Wayman was the drummer and he had the guitarist, whatever. They were laying down the tracks and The Sweet would come in and lay down the vocals. Yeah. And they were complaining about that. They were saying, you know, we want to play on the tracks. Yeah, we want to do our thing. And then I think the last one that they didn't play on but they sort of got their way with getting a harder edge was Little Willie. Yeah, that Little Willie was the first subtle, and I mean subtle, sign of what's eventually what's going to come. Because uh, it, it went away from the bubblegum pop thing they yeah. were recently doing. Yeah. It, it was their first little subtle uh, rock, you know, that came That's into right. The, the guitars started getting heavier, the drums were getting heavier, but they still weren't playing on it. And then they were saying, uh, Mick, um, Mick Tucker and Andy Scott especially, were saying to Chapman and... Wayman, come to our gigs, see us play. Come to our gigs, see us play. So they came to the gigs, they watched them play, and then Wayman said to them, with the next single, with the next single, which was um, Wigwam Bam, he said to them, okay, if you can do this in the same time me and my band do it, you've got the gig. Yep, that was the one, Wigwam Bam. Yeah. That really kicked off, um, yeah, what was uh, about to come, like... Little Willie was the first sign. It was very, very subtle. But Wigwam Bam was one where, okay, you, they, you noticed something. You know, you noticed 
yeah. uh, more rock and roll of what, what was to eventually going to come. Well, they, they went into the studio and they did it in the allotted time. So it was actually them playing. Yeah. So it, it has got a bit of a heavier sound to it, hasn't yeah. it? And this is when the glam thing came in as well. They That's were, right. They were uh, like Steve Priest. Uh, had the uh, the Indian outfit. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Brian Connolly had two little stars on each cheek. He was wearing a silver costume, was he, in that one? I think he was. He was wearing a silver costume and it's got B on one side for Brian and C on the other side. Yeah, right. But, yeah. And, um, yeah, so they, you know, and then Mick, Mick Tucker, he had, he, he had the lipstick. Well, and... A- Andy Scott was saying... As soon as he joined the band and when they were playing live gigs, they'd put on a little bit of makeup, just a little bit of stage makeup. Yeah. And he said, but it wasn't until they got to Top of the Pops, the Top of the Pops people went overboard yeah. with their makeup. And they said, look, you guys have got to look good on TV. Yeah. And he said, and that's where it started. And he was saying it sort of came up, they came up with the image of Brian was Cinderella, um, Steve Priest was the fairy godmother. <laughs> Mick and Andy were the ugly sisters. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, that's, uh, they all played their part, didn't they? Yeah, so we're, we're talking about, you know, this, the glam has just started. And, you know, you could imagine their dressing rooms. You know, they had, you know, Mark Bolden and, you know, people like David Bowie. And uh, Andy Scott once said that uh, Bowie came up and said, hey, I really dig your fingernails because he had them <laughs> black. Black fingernails. Yeah, right. And apparently Bowie went out and did the same, but he had white. But that's where Bowie got his fingernails uh, polish from. It's, it's amazing. You know, you kind of wonder what was said in those dressing rooms, you know. Uh, you know, hey, I, I like your new record, man. Yeah. Or, you know, there would have been, who knows what they but would have been so, saying. I like, I like your costume. Yeah, it was so know? different to the ordinary, like... But yeah, I love your lipstick, you know, males saying, yeah, yeah. saying that to each other. Love your lipstick and your eyeshadow. Hey, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You know, that eyeshadow. I, I do remember, though, I do remember um, an interview with Noddy Holder from Slade, the lead singer of Slade once, and he was saying, you'd go in there and there'd be the sweet would be in there, Gary Glitter would be in there, and they'd go out, they'd do their performance, and you'd go, shit. You know, someone else go, does it, you go, shit, we've got to do ours, you know, so they'd... Whack on extra glitter, get extra props. You know, they're always just trying to um, outdo each other. Outdo each other. You're listening to the Glitter Glam Rock Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I suppose, yeah, I think the next song after that was uh, uh, Blockbuster. Um, that was, uh, I just want to say, that was the first of what I consider the golden singles. You know, I think they had a golden era. Yeah. And that was the first one. The first one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Andy Scott said uh, there wasn't much song to that, but there was a lot of yeah. elements. Like yeah. they had the siren, they had that blues riff, which was in a million songs. But Yeah. And Bowie... Had released at the same time Gene Genie. Gene Genie. Had the same riff. Same riff, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's just a mean song that had that same riff. So yeah. there was nothing really musically. Status Quo made a whole career out of that yeah. riff, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Three or four 
called Wonders. Yeah. And I love the quo. They, they they did it a certain way. Yeah. But anyway, sweets the subject here. And um, yeah, so they had that. Uh, and that, that had, uh, was also the first time Steve Priest had a cameo. Cameo, yeah. He had the, you know, we just haven't got a clue what, what to, to do. do, which became a bit of a signature. Yeah. And which was also a way of saying that, you know, um, we're a serious band, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because they, a lot of people thought they were gay. Yeah. Uh, and they they acknowledged this, so they, they played on it. Yeah, they played up on like, it. Like, you know... Uh, and a lot of those cameos, he did it in a real campy voice. That's right. And, you know? and would do, like, campy movements too. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that is the clip where he did the Camp Hitler. He did a Camp Hitler. Remember he came yeah, out yeah. dressed as Hitler and yeah. he had the swastika sticker yeah. and stuff? I'm not sure if it was that clip. I think it was I, one. I, I think don't it, think so. No? I, because it, I, unless I'm getting it mixed up with another song, he had that big cape. He had the cape. Well, the, yeah, but they performed it so many times in so yeah. many different costumes. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, maybe one of our listeners out there can, can tell us. But now if you look at it on YouTube now, when he comes out as a Camp Hitler, they've actually pixelated the Nazi. Yeah. The, the pixelated the Nazi. Yeah, he, he got right into it. He, he got right into the whole campy thing. Yeah, yeah. Steve Priest. He, he had the He was the fairy godmother. He was a fairy, fairy godmother. godmother, yeah. yeah. Um, so the next single, oh, before that, what we have to remember too is um, Chin Chapman were writing all of these and and Chin, when he first uh, met Chapman, Chapman was really the songwriter. Chin was the guy who financed it at yeah. the beginning. I heard an interview with Chapman and he's really dirty on Nicky Chin. He's really dirty because his family, Nicky Chin's family were rich and when he tried to break away from that partnership, they were threatening lawsuits and all sorts of things. So if you listen to the demos, it's all Mike Chapman. Mm. So they're writing these things. They're, they're, they're coming up to them and they're, um, he's just saying, okay, this is your next song. Dun, 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 yeah. And that's it. So the next one was... Hellraiser? Yeah, Hellraiser, which I, have to, uh, I think that's one of my favourite songs. It is mine too. It's just such a good... Mick Tucker again... He, he, everything was so tight, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was... See, I purchased the Sweet Singles album. Yeah. And that was a good album. It had, you know... Yeah. Um, a lot of songs that we haven't got to yet, but... It, yeah. Yeah, it had the... Uh, it, the Sweet Singles album, it didn't have the real early songs where... No, you it, know that was only an Australian release? Was it really? Yeah, it's only an Australian release. I didn't know that. So, well, um, it was a compilation of after Funny and Funny and them. It was a, when they found It started found with Blockbuster. Mojo. Yeah. It started with Blockbuster and it ended with, I can't remember, it ended with Teenage Rampage. Yeah, that's right. So it had the A sides and the B sides yeah. of those songs. And some of those B sides. Oh, great. Just, I, I love that, uh, the bass. In Need a Lot of Loving. Yeah. Such a cool, yeah, really cool um, bass line. Yeah. And then you got the high vocals because Andy Scott had the, the chipmunk yeah. high vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Hellraiser was the next one. I thought that, that was just a great song. Motley Crue ended up ripping off the beginning of that for Kickstart My Heart. When I first heard it, I was at the football. Yeah. I first heard it, you know, in between plays, they, they play some songs. And yeah. I heard that and I thought, shit, they're playing Hellraiser. Yeah. It was Motley Crue. Motley Crue. Uh -huh. It was, was Kickstart My Heart. Yeah. Wow. 
So the next single was a big one, Ballroom Blitz. Yep. And I remember you and I didn't know the words to Ballroom Blitz when we first heard it. We, used to, we thought it was Bottle of Bricks. Well, I certainly did anyway. I don't, yeah. I don't know about you, but yeah, I was singing Bottle of Bricks and uh, you can't try working that out. But anyway, that's so. So that, that, that was their massive hit. That was their, I think they did an Australian tour around that time. Um, we, we've spoken a lot about Ballroom Blitz. The next one was Teenage Rampage. One of my favourites. I love yeah, that, one of I mine love too. that song. One of mine too. It, it was such a cool song, just the way Brian sung it. Uh, it had a great guitaring in it. The crowd made a difference too. Yeah, that we want sweet chant. Yeah. Right at the beginning, we yeah, want the, sweet. They recorded the song and then put the crowd in later. Later, yeah. Um, I, I remember... Like Money Honey. I, uh, I, I remember, what's his name, um, Chapman saying saying when he presented the song to them, he, they said, what have you got next? And he said, I've got the Nuremberg Rally. That's what I've got. And um, they, uh, Andy Scott thought it's a great song, it was a great hit, but he felt it was like a backward step. He thought, it's fantastic, but it's not as good as Ballroom Blitz. Yeah. So, you know, we've gone a little bit backwards Yeah, here. he did say that's where the cracks... Started to appear. Yeah. And Brian was drinking a lot. Yeah. Brian was drinking heaps, so... And so that, it, was that was it was around that... Was it around those days? Well, he was drinking. He was drinking from the beginning. Yeah. But Andy Scott was saying that, you know, he was like... Andy Scott said, I, you know, he didn't take this for granted. He didn't, you know, he was in a band. They were making hits. They yeah. were making money. They all had big houses. Yeah. And they were on the, in the studio on time and Brian would come in. All he had to do was lay the vocals. Mm. He would come in and he'd come in late and he'd come in drunk and everyone was getting the shits with yeah, him. Yeah, because they put in the hard work. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, like I said, all he had to do was come in and sing. Yeah, so they'd said... You know, we feel Teenage Rampage is a bit of a backward step. Give us something better. Give us something more um, complicated, I don't know, more involved. Yeah. And um, Chapman had written a song for Susie Quattro called The Sixteen. The Sixteen's great yeah. song, another great yeah. song. So that was supposed to go to Susie Quattro. She was ready to record it. She loved it. Yeah. And the sweet pulled it and said, no, we want it. Yeah. We Actually, when it. you think about it, Susie Quattro would have... Yeah. Done a good job on that. But what happened, what happened was they recorded the 16s, it came out, and then Top of the Pops, I don't know the real, I don't know what really went on, but they had a strike. Yeah. They had a strike, so they couldn't perform it on Top of the Pops, so that was a bit of a flop for them. Yeah, right. That yeah. was a bit of a flop, so they felt like, okay, we, we, we've recorded this complicated song, this song that's, you know, that's got all these different parts, it's got different time signatures, and just because we couldn't get on top of the pops, it was a failure. So he, they thought, we're just like every other band. Without top of the pops, you know, we're fucked. Yeah, it was, yeah, bad timing. Yeah. Anyway, after that, they released a single in Australia only. What, what they were going to do was their idea was they were going to make an album that was the history of rock and roll, okay? So it was going to have a song that sounded like the 50s, a song that sounded like the 60s, song that sounded like whatever, yeah. okay? And um, they recorded a song called Peppermint Twist and then they said, oh, fuck it. <laughs> they yeah. threw that idea out. But they came out in Australia and we loved that song, didn't we? Peppermint yeah, Twist. that reminds me of 
at Luna Park. I remember I was at Luna Park and, you know, looking at the merry-go-round, hearing that song. Because, you know, at Luna Park, they used to play the songs as yeah. the rides were going. Yeah. Peppermint Twist was playing. Um, yeah, not one of my favourites, but... Was, I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I, I should mention at this at this point, um, after Teenage Rampage, they got rid of Phil Wayman. Chin Chapman took over the production. That's right. They'd, so when they did Turn It Down... Um, oh, we missed out Turn It Down. Turn yeah, It Down see, was before Peppermint Twist. Yeah, the so, 16s came off an album called Desolation Boulevard. Yeah. And also on that album was a version of Fox on the Run. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a yeah. second. So, um, so they did Turn It Down. They, they did the 16s, which was a flop. Yeah. Turn It Down, which was a flop. Peppermint Twist, which wasn't even released. Over there, right? Yeah. Th- and this, this is um, this is when they sacked Wayman and Chin Chapman took over the, the production. And then you're talking about Desolation Boulevard. Yeah. And what were you saying? Well, they did a um, on Desolation Boulevard. I, I think Turn It Down was on that album as well. Um, and the Sixteens, and yeah, they they did a version of Fox on the Run, which was later. To be re-recorded. I, I remember that version on Fox on the Run on, on the album. Yeah. I, I never had the album. You had the album. We used, used to play it. Yeah. And um, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, but it was it was no standout. No, it wasn't a standout. But then when they re- re-recorded it, well, the record company said by this time, Chin Chapman were writing for all these different people, and they were based in America, right? Yeah. So they had Susie Quattro, they had Mud, they had Smokey, yeah. they had um, some American band. That did I want to kiss you all over? I can't remember what they were called. Anyway, they had all these songs, and um, the suite contacted them and said, "The record company wants a single. What have you got?" And they said, "We don't have anything." So they contacted the record company, and one of the guys in the record company said, "Look, there's a song called Fox on the Run on your album. I think that could be a single if you make it glam. Mm. If you glam it up." Yeah. So they went into a recording studio and they did it all hush-hush because they didn't want Chin Chapman to find out. Yeah, which so, yeah. No, he was... Well, they were dirty on yeah. at a later. Yeah, so um, so they they went in, glammed up Fox on the Run. They produced it themselves. They wrote it, produced it, played everything, yeah. and it was a fucking smash hit, wasn't it? Was, it? Yeah. it was, yeah. I, I remember when it came out. Yeah, it was me like too. It was one on. of the best songs. Yeah. I remember uh, on a Saturday morning, you know, watching one of those uh, rock shows, Sounds Unlimited or Sounds, and I remember that it was the, the lit and up wick going across the the TV. Yeah. And which it had that like a uh, moog sound. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is done on a keyboard. Yeah. And um, yeah, they they rocked it up. They, in fact, they rocked it up compared to. The original recording. Yeah, well, it had uh, and it had like a lot of the you know the, the trademarks. It had you know the loud guitars. It had um, Steve's cameo. And the high voices. The high voices. Second the harmonies. Hands. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was really a great song. You know what I remember um, the most about the film clip? Mick Tucker spinning his yeah, drumsticks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And doing this second hand as he's spinning. It. Yeah, second hand. Yeah. It's funny that because that's exactly what I think of.
Once again, we bought out the tennis rackets in front of the mirrors, didn't we? Oh, of course. I had to do that. And we had uh, my poor brother. We used to make him play the drums on the, the drums. bed with the drumsticks and he could never get it right. And we used to yeah. get really angry with him. Yeah. Why can't you fucking play ballroom blitz? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Patrick, who is now a doctor, yeah. we forced him into a few things. Yeah, gave well. him a tennis racket yeah. and he was on there. And we were the suite, really, without a lead singer. It was like three guitarists and we'd take turns singing the songs yeah. in front of the mirror and we'd pout and pose like the suite and of course we had the makeup and the, yeah. the um, eyeshadow and all that sort of Telling stuff. Telling all our friends that were playing football in the corner that we had a show to do. Yeah, exactly. And But I, I'll never forget the day um, I was playing the Sweet Singles album and that song Burning was on. Burning, that was a great song. Yeah, that um, was fantastic. That was a B-side yeah, and it had that part where it goes, and I acted out the bip, and yeah. you just could not stop laughing yeah. just on that little bip. Uh, that was um, that was that was fun. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Bur- Burning was a B side of Hellraiser. Was it? By the way, it's yeah. not a bad B side. So that was a good. You should, um, if you're from overseas, just check out just. Um, Look up the Sweet Singles album because, as I said, it was an Australian release only. I bought it just recently. I know you did. I'm looking the, for it on yeah, eBay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and it, it was a, it was a great album. Yeah, it was just a fantastic album. Yep. And yeah, so every we, song on it, every song was. And we was would great. mime to every song too, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, we knew it. We would mime to like everything. We'd get up there and we'd play, but we never did a concert like we did with the um, glitter the band. glitter band. Nah, because. Um, I don't know why. By by that time, it was well. There were no concert, no gigs. No one was booking us, were they? Yeah, and I think we were getting a little bit older. Yeah, and a bit more mature. Yeah, um, yeah, we were like ten. Yeah, because that, <laughs> yeah, that that glitter band show we did. Yeah, that was primary school. Was yeah, like, that was yeah. oh good days. So, the the next single was action. Yep. Which is a good song. I really like it. It's uh, I, I really love that song. Well, apparently it's, it's the song. first no cameo song for Steve Priest in a long time. Yeah, in a long time. So they were they were trying to change their image in in a way. And if you look at the film clip, they're not wearing the glam stuff anymore. They're wearing black leather leather jackets. Yeah, real heavy metal and jeans. Well, what they, is that ma- got magazine of, metal hammer metal or something? Yeah, yeah metal, me- metal edge. Yeah, and uh, they were sort of. It was more of a, a bit more of a status quo, yeah, look, wasn't it? I have to admit, I like them better in their glam. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. But um, they did an album, apparently all on their own, produced it, everything, called Level Headed. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I remember seeing a clip of Steve Priest had his hair permed, which looked fucked. I thought, <laughs> and and there was another guy in there as well with curly hair and a beard. So I was. Wondering who that was. I, I couldn't imagine. I think that was Andy Scott. I couldn't imagine Andy doing that. Yeah, it was an Andy Scott. But, um, yeah, they they were like everyone was. Like we, we spoke about in our last episode how the glitter band were like slowly moving away from, from the, the glam glitter scene. sound. Yeah. That's that's what the suite were doing. Yeah. And, um, and Brian's drinking was really causing a problem yeah. back then. And uh, uh, Andy Scott was saying that um, about action, he was saying... 
that was going to be their big single. That yeah. was going to be that they were going to do everything themselves. He said it had um, time changes in it. It had some of the best harmonies they'd ever done, and that was the one that was going to to break them. That was going to be, in his eyes, their Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. And then Bohemian Rhapsody came, came out, out yeah. <laughs> and just fucked them. Yeah. Totally fucked them. Yeah. But um. But he was also saying. He said something really interesting. He said, Mike Chapman said to them when Brian's drinking started happening, and this was when they were having, this was during the golden age. Yeah. He said to them, listen, why don't you split from Brian? I'll write Brian pop songs. He can be the pop star. Okay. Brian can be the pop star. And for you guys, I want you guys to put on horror makeup. And this was before Kiss, yeah. right? And he goes, I want you to put on horror makeup and I want you guys to go out and do your heavy stuff with the horror makeup. And at the time said, well, you, they said, you've got to be kidding. We're, <laughs> we're huge. Yeah. And then why would we split from well, Brian? Brian's one of the big things. But in retrospect, when he's telling the story, he, he was wondering, he was thinking, I wonder what would have happened if we did do that. Maybe, yeah. maybe it would have lasted longer yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, well, it's unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and I, I I remember Andy Scott said something like, well, Brian, you know, you can do this, you can do that, but just not with us. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, th- the next single after that, I mean, action for me is really, you know, basically the end. Downslide. The downslide. I, of the sweet. I like the song, but the next song, The Lies in Your Eyes, which I liked, yeah. I did like, but it wasn't, a, you know, it wasn't, um, Hellraiser. No, it wasn't, I, I, it wasn't Fox on the Run. I thought it was boring. I, I didn't like that song much, even though I bought the single because it was the sweet. You know, mm. you know, you buy anything they did at that stage. Yeah, I think they had a B side called Cock- Cockroach or something. Yeah, that, that that was a cockroach. Yeah, that was a yeah. I didn't like that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then they had. Um, they had a song called Fourth of July, which I don't even remember. No, Another no, one yeah, called um, Lost Angels, which I don't remember. Then Fever of Love. Fever. I remember Fever of Love. That was sort of a bit of a... It was like the lies in your eyes, you know yeah. what I mean? It had a yeah. bit more of a disco flavour, but yeah. it wasn't that great. And then they had Lovers Like Oxygen. Yeah, I hated that song. But yeah. it was a big hit in America. Yeah. Lovers Like Oxygen was a big hit in America. And, you know, you know... Um, the chorus. Mm-hmm. Brian's not singing the chorus no, Andy, because he wasn't. He wasn't up to it. No, Andy Scott. Yeah, I uh, had dirt, and I think Steve was sharing some vocals as well. Yeah, but um, they they brought this guy in, and he knew his uh shit. He knew his <laughs> yeah onions as yeah he knew his onions. That's how. That's exactly what Andy Scott said. Right, he right. Knew his onions, and he was doing like. He'd say, okay, to Steve Priest, right, we're going to do a song in A, but you're going to have it's going to be in B flat at the same time. Right. Like he knew his scales yeah. and yeah, classical yeah, yeah. training. Yeah. And then um, Andy Scott loved it. And so he wanted to really go that way. And then they showed a, a picture of uh, Mick Tucker looking really pissed off and angry. Mm. It was just good timing, you mm. know. Well, something happened with Mick Tucker. He had, um, I think he was in a car accident or so. His girlfriend died anyway. His, oh, really? His I girlfriend died. So he that. was really he was really depressed. And at, at, after Love is Like Oxygen, they'd had enough of Brian and they'd 
Yeah. And it's like what you said, you can do anything you want, but you just not want, fast. Yeah. Well, I couldn't yeah. imagine McTucker liking that song because it's what has he got to do in it? There's it's boring. It was one of the most. Bo- I hated that song to tell you the truth. Yeah. And so, and look, I'm not sure I, I saw. Um, I'm not <laughs> sure I understand. No, either. me either. <laughs> no, we're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen Brian in clips after that. Have you seen any of those clips? And he just looks like he's 60. Yeah, he had the real wrinkles in his face. Yeah, and he could hardly speak. And he he actually came out here with Brian Connolly Sweet. Yeah. And one of my friends went and saw him and he said it was just like, it was just fucking terrible. Really? It was just like... musically and... The the band was great, but he was just like... um, This is exactly how he described it when they're playing ballroom blitz, he's yeah. staggering around every now and then he's going up to the microphone going, Blitz! Really? Blitz! Huh. Yeah. It was really bad. And then um, in the 80s, Chapman wanted to reform them. Yeah. And he got them together. And um, he flew them out to LA. And they, they recorded some demos. The demos are on YouTube if you want to look them up. Um, and... Brian sounds fucking shocking. Really? He sounds shocking. And Chapman ended up coming up to them after a couple of days saying, look, you guys are all right. Yeah. And going, but Brian, we, we just can't do anything with Brian. It's just sad, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you hear that story. You know, when I, when I hear that story, I think of Mick Taylor with the Rolling Stones. Yeah. I went, he, I think the Stones recorded their best stuff with Mick Taylor. Yeah. And I went and saw Mick Taylor at the, uh, you know, at one of the uh, Sydney venues. I can't think of the name of it now. But he, he had his back to the audience and he was just leaning on his amp. And it's just, yeah, sad to see when, you know, and Brian Connolly, obviously. Yeah, same. superstar, uh, glam pin-up boy. Yeah. You know, yeah, just was... turned 60 when he was probably only like 35. Yeah. You know, um, and that, that's what his drinking had, had done. And he's, he's apparently the alcohol had just destroyed his vocal cords mm. as well. Well, know? apparently he was very insecure. Yeah. Which was, a, as Nicky Chin said, um, one of his best qualities, his insecurity, because it made him such a vulnerable person. When you're like that, you're a nice, lovely person. Mm. And that's how he described... Uh, Brian Connolly. Well, Andy Scott was saying about Brian as well. He was saying when he first joined the band, Brian was just like really, he was insecure, but to cover for his insecurity, he was really outgoing. Yeah. So he'd be the one that was going around. He'd be talking to the record executives. He'd Mm. be going, he'd go talk to the groupies. He'd talk, he'd go on the radio. You know, he was, and um, he said, you need a guy like that in your band. He goes, because I certainly wasn't like that. Andy Scott said he wasn't like that. The rest of them weren't like that. Brian was like that. And in the end, he had just such a bad, you know, demise. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Or some, well, he did all that PR work through his insecurity. And I suppose when it's all been done... What, what's more for him to do? It's like Brian Epstein, you know, the, the Beatles. Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah. You're listening to the Glitter Glam Rock Podcast. So um, after Brian left... 
they remained a three-piece. They were thinking about getting someone else in, but they never did. Yeah. And um, they, they did a, a tour of America in 1981 and th- they were saying all the money that they'd made went into that tour. So all those houses they had, they, you know, they had, you know, all, all the fancy cars, everything went into that tour, stupidly. I don't know why. I don't know. It's probably because so, they probably lacked a sponsor's after Brian's drinking and that, so yeah, all the money that covered them in the past, yeah, when all that goes away, they had to do it themselves. Yeah, and they did a 1981 tour of England, and um, by that time Steve Priest was living in America. Yeah, so his heart wasn't right in into it, and um, uh, Mick Tucker's wife had died, so you know. Things things weren't really. He didn't last long after that either. No, no. So, um, look at the end of the day. I think the quintessential sweet song was Ballroom Blitz for me. Yeah, yeah, Ballroom Blitz. But it's peak. That was their peak. But it's funny that um, if you talk to younger people. Today and you mentioned the sweet. You know what song they know? What's that? Fox on the Run. Fox on the yeah. They all know Fox on the Run. No one knows anything, anything else. But it stayed in the charts forever, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, but you know, going right back to the beginning, there. You know, because I had the biggest hits album before all that. Yeah, they had some good little tunes. You know, like Chop Chop. Yeah, I always liked that song. You know, it was like a. And you're not wrong for loving me, you know, yeah. like a little ballad harmony. Yeah. So they're all um, early Chin Chap songs. Yeah. You know, they're all early. As you said before, when they were doing the bubblegum. Yeah. Doing that. I, I think, and, you know, I've heard, um, what was it, Desolation Boulevard and uh, what was the other album that had another uh, level-headed? Yeah, they had another album, um, Sweet F.A. Sweet F.A. That yeah. was a live album, was it, or not? No, they did do a live live album called Strung, Strung Up. That's right, that's right, yeah. Um, and had, I, I remember that had a few, that had Set Me Free in it, which was on um, Sweet FA, they wanted to call it, but yeah. then they got banned because of, you know, the, the initials. Yeah. So they had to say Sweet Fanny Adams, but... Yeah, that's right, Set, that's me, true, Set yeah. me Free was on, on that album. Right. And uh, I don't think there was anything else. One song I really did like... One song I really did like, or there was two songs that I did like that they wrote. Um, for some reason, I love Medusa. Yeah. I love Medusa because to me that sounds real rock opera-ish. Yeah. You know what I mean? You yeah. can imagine that in something like um, Jesus Christ Superstar yeah. or Tommy. You know, I really like Medusa. And another song called Rebel Rouser. Yeah. I don't know if you know that one. Well, that, was, was, that was on their, one of their greatest yeah. hits record. And basically that was um, a rewrite of Hellraiser. They just, they just rewrote yeah. Hellraiser. So, so they were two really good songs. But um, my sweet to me, my, my favourite sweet album is that sweet singles yeah, album. Yeah, me too. That I love the cover. Yeah. It looks so 70s when you look at it. Yeah. It just looks so 70s when you look at it. It had the A-sides and it had the hard rocking B-sides. Yeah. And we just got a lot of um, joy out yeah. of that, didn't we? Well, like I said, I'm looking for it on eBay, as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Um, I was lucky. I, I went into a secondhand record store about a year ago 
and they had it there in pristine condition yeah. for about 12 bucks. And I went, give me, oh, you know. That was, I, that I was a bargain because yeah. they're not cheap on eBay. Yeah, yeah, I know. People, because it's in demand. Yeah, because it's an Australian-only compilation as well. Yeah. So, you know, the only place you can get it, obviously, is is from Australia. But yeah. um, to me, Sweet were more of a singles band than yeah. album, which were a lot of the glam acts were, weren't they? Yeah, they, they were, they were was, single was mostly, orientated. Yeah, single orientated. Well, Gary Glitter had, they, he, he had so many singles. Well, going back to... He um, only had about three albums, didn't he? Yeah, going back to Gary Glitter, I don't know, like he had um, Leader of the Gang... I Love You, Love Me, Love, and Always Yours, those three singles in a row, and no album. Yeah. So imagine just putting those three singles on an album, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the suite, they had those... All those songs we spoke of, they, they didn't put those all those songs on the albums. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They put a couple of songs on the albums. And why didn't they put them on albums? On they albums, been fantastic. Yeah. Um, all we got was Remember Me This Way. Yeah. At that time. That's right. So it was just quite smart, really, when you think about it. Yeah. I don't know if they did that on, on purpose, but because Remember Me This Way is like kind of like you had to be there album yeah because he's well anyone that's running around on stage his voice wasn't <laughs> you're not going to go on about this this really scarred you yeah didn't it did it? i it yeah. fucking scarred yeah. you it, it, to this day yeah because i they, they got you, were, me. you know why because you were so excited yeah. i remember the excitement because i remember the excitement of when i was getting touched mm, as the lay by yeah you know, we couldn't it get it took straight us, away yeah, it's six weeks to get it yeah. and you were so and you were just so let down and i was so cocky about it oh mate I got this album it's got all the hits you know and I remember being really pissed off that you grabbed that because we didn't know it was live and it had yeah. all the hits on it yeah. I'm like ah, oh, the fucker got the good one yeah. he got the good one yeah and I got you know Touch Me which I'd only at the time knew two songs on yeah. it Hello Hello and Touch Me yeah and I'm like and then, then it all backfired didn't yeah. it buddy yep sure did <laughs> but at that time they were smart enough to bring out these great singles like yeah. Always Yours and I Love You Love. And yeah. So it was and kind the, of smart in a yeah. way, wasn't it? Because uh, Yeah, and the suite had that string of those singles, you know, yeah. a string of those singles. And uh, I do want to say that when um, Fox on the Run came out, that was, to me, that was just as good as any of the other singles except maybe Block, but, uh, except maybe um, Ballroom Blitz. Yeah, well, it just wasn't... Uh, as the fast tempo like the other ones were. Yeah, but it was still... Had all the other elements, And if you listen to FM radio or any retro radio and they play the suite, it's always Fox Fox on on the the Run. run. Well, it was their biggest hit ever. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think it was because someone... Well, Blockbuster was their biggest hit ever because it went to number five in America. Yeah. And Fox on the Run went top ten in America anyway. But it was, I don't know, for some reason, I think it's been covered more. Yeah. Than anyone, and for some reason, and it's been in more movies, and, yeah, and probably stuff like because that. it's an easier song to cover, and yeah, they don't have to work so fast and hard, yeah. But I, I thought I heard someone say they used that word ever, their biggest hit ever, because they were quite skeptical at the time when they were asked to do this recording or mm. re recording, they had reservations about it, but it turned out to be the Biggest song ever. I don't know if that meant 
uh, their song or sale wise, sale wise or yeah. who knows. But Andy knows. Scott did say that. It was yeah, I think it, it probably means in pop culture. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was their biggest one in pop culture. Okay, so um, regarding our last episode, we had some good feedback from our last episode, didn't we? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah over a hundred hits on YouTube so far. Yeah, so I'd just like to. Um, I'd just like to give a shout-out to a couple of people. I'd like to give a shout-out to Grace Kanaza, who um, is a big glitter girl. She's a glitter girl. She sent us photos of Gary's 1974 tour that she took herself and the Glitter Band's 1975 tour, and they're just some great photos in that, aren't there? Yeah, quality, quality memories. Just, yeah, and it, actually we were talking... At the best times. Exactly, yeah. and we were talking about how we couldn't remember anything about the Glitter Band concert when we went. Yeah. And um, and looking at the photos that she sent jogged my memory a little bit of what yeah. they were wearing and what they were doing. So thanks a lot, Grace. Yeah. We thank you. And I'd like to say... Um, oh, and also Grace... Gave us a perspective from a female fan's point of view. Like, she was talking about the crushes yeah. that they had. Like, the girls had the crushes on them where, with us, the, sexual the males. Element, yeah. yeah. With us, we were more like, we wanted to be them. Yeah. You know? And another guy, um, Mario S., I'd like to give a shout. Sorry, I'm, I'm not going to mispronounce your surname. Mm-hmm. He gave me a perspective. He said something really interesting in one of his feedback. He was saying... That um, you know, you guys are lucky that you had each other yeah. in the journey. Where he where was he, on his own. He was on his own. So I'd never considered that some people would be, you know, it's totally on their isolated own. on their own yeah. with this kind of stuff. Yeah. Imagine, you know, him saying, "Well, I have a show to do." Well, at least we could say we have a show. Yeah, to yeah, do. yeah, yeah. So yeah. And I'd like to uh, send a big shout out to uh, Claire Shepherd, yeah, and the eighth member of the Glitter Band. Paul, Andrew, Quirk. Yep, they're all good people. All they good, are. All good glitter glam people. Yep, very yep. stylish, generous people. Yep. And that's it from us this week. Uh, that was the suite. We hope you enjoyed it. And we shall return with, again, we don't know what, but we'll, we'll be back. The so, sequel's sequel. Yeah, so I'm Greg. And I'm Martin. And do you want to sign off how you did last time? Oh, yeah. Uh, The appropriate two words of everything we're saying is uh, rock on.